Hello and welcome back to Core Ideas, the podcast interested in all things related to lake sediments and paleolimnology. My name is Adam Jesiorski, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Josh Steenpon. How are you, Adam? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Kind of uh, in good mood. This is going to be episode 46. 46, I know. I'm doing it for uh, a while. We're back to our remote uh, recording. We did episodes 44 and 45 face-to-face. I keep saying live. Obviously, it's not live. We recorded them weeks ago. But um, yeah, back to our standard operating procedure. But uh, still, some exciting things going on on the show and uh, excited to jump into them. Yeah. And we're at the start of another new academic year. And we're in a, I guess, at least according to our anniversary uh, episode, a new VARV. So, a new arc. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we gave a preview, What's, I guess, in the last episode. We did. That's true. Uh, it's time to dive into the reading lists. Uh, did we say what the first reading? I've already forgotten. Uh, it's been a little while since we recorded. Do we do we give a hint as to what the first list would be? I don't think we did. But how about we, uh, um, you know, give the whole preamble. It's not required yep. listening the previous episode, but we're starting a new arc. And this one is going to be quite a little bit different. We did preview it in our recap. But the theme of this arc is going to be reading lists. And basically what we think are the five or so key fee- key papers uh, that could introduce a new student to the relevant literature of a particular topic. And these are all going to have a paleo focus, of course. Uh, they're not intended to be comprehensive lists because, of course, it's only five papers. Um, but just more a case of primers for deeper dives into the relevant literature. Perfect timing. Lots of new Master students starting, undergraduate uh, thesis students starting, people joining paleolimnology for a PhD that did something totally different as a master's, um, or just to remind yourself and, and get a different perspective on uh, what might be some some papers as chosen by two guys on the internet. So yeah, yeah. and our biases are on our sleeves. Um, oh, very much. And so. we are un- unapologetic in terms of our picks. So where to begin? That's a tough one. Um, we, we did go back and forth a little bit about this. We'll get into kind of some of our personal backgrounds. That Those are easy ones to come up with for us. But we were kind of deciding as we went through what would be a good place to jump off. Uh, the, the back catalog of episodes, things we've talked about in the past. And we gave quite a bit of time to dating in terms of the history of paleolimnology series arc, uh, those five five episodes plus one guest interview, uh, and just how important that dating and the advent of these methods and the refinement of these methods is to paleolimnology at a fundamental level uh, in order for it to be a quantitative science. So we decided that would be a good place to start. Absolutely. Uh, it's definitely a topic that all paleolimnologists have to tackle at some point, and the level of understanding of the underlying concepts uh, can vary tremendously, whether you have a fairly superficial or sufficient uh, understanding of the underlying mathematics versus being able to do all the necessary calculations by hand. You will run into both extremes uh, over the course of most you know, graduate degrees. There are people For that sure. dive in headfirst and there are people that run away screaming. Um, 
yeah. and both are acceptable. <laughs> acceptable. So if you've not yet decided which of those two camps you belong to, we've got uh, the primer to get you going. And, and if you are in that camp that only wants a little bit of information, you know, you may not need to go too much further than these five papers uh, to have a good handle on what's going on. Uh, or it's a good starting point to build out your really robust understanding of the minutiae of what is really an interesting topic, but maybe not a one for everyone. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So, I guess if we begin with reading up on data, I guess we can go over the rules again. So, the rules are That's right. Five Let's papers. Let's remind those. Five papers, maximum one review. And again, these are not necessarily the most fun first papers, I guess, or the foundational right. papers. It's a case of developing an understanding. So yeah. if we're beginning with reading up on dating, um, what would you like to begin the list with? Appleby and Oldfield, 1978, Katina, number five, the first eight pages, uh, an article titled The Calculation of Lead to 10 Dates assuming a constant rate of supply of unsupported lead to 10 to the sediment. That's it. You got to start there, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> that goes against the whole purpose of these lists. That, despite being absolutely foundational for the development of lead to 10, is not a good starting point or introduction for a new student, especially a new student that does not have a strong mathematics background. When is the last time you read this paper? Uh, yeah. Maybe for my comprehensives. Maybe. <laughs> so it's been referred many times. It is foundational. But page four of eight is nothing but a series of equations. That is true. Important yeah. equations. But there's no explanation of what those <laughs> equations are, really. It's just a series of, of them. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, I, fine. We won't go with that one. Fine. Fine. <laughs> We're looking for a gentle introduction to let to 10 dating here. So I am going to put forward the chapter in deeper volume one as the absolute way to go. So this is Appleby 2001, chronostratigraphic techniques in recent sediments. No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. No, I know it's not against the rules. Technically, we can do one review according to our own totally arbitrary set of rules. Uh, but do we want to start with a review paper? And do we want to start with one that's 27 pages uh, long in a book uh, that is not easily accessible to everyone uh, that costs however much money? And it doesn't matter how many times you've sent a pirated copy to someone, Adam. It's still paid uh, behind <laughs> a, a paywall for many people out there oh so, come on i've downloaded thousands of scientific articles off the internet who hasn't well okay that's fine uh but i think we need to arrive at something in the middle and so maybe what we should do is jump a little bit ahead from where i started and a little back from your review and the first paper we should talk about is also by appleby and oldfield but their 1983 paper in hydrobiologia the assessment of lead to 10 data from sites with varying sediment accumulation rates. So I think that's the place to start here. Okay. So I, uh, I, I would say I'm okay with this one being the one to launch the list. So it's written by 
the OGs of Let's See 10. Yep. Yeah, uh, but it is infinitely more approachable than the 1978 mathematical one. It's definitely an article on the CRS model that is targeted more at paleolimnologists more broadly as opposed to mathematicians slash radiochemists that have an yeah. interest in paleolimnology. And you can see that in hydro, uh, published in Hydrobiologia as opposed to Catina. Uh, I assume that's, I think that's how you say it. I've never actually heard I have, it said. I have no, no idea. I think about it, but we'll go with that. Um, very much more about getting out this concept to the limnology crowd, the paleolimnology uh, practitioners out there, and very much more uh, a accessible overview of how lead 210 works, radioisotopes of lead as a way of dating sediments, and then specific to the CRS model, which is uh, original to that 78 paper, I think, or around there by uh, Appleby and Oldfield. So yeah, that's a good place to start. I think if you want to go back in time, that's a great place to pretty quickly, because it's not that long of an article. It's only like six pages long of paginated uh, text to, to start your journey. Okay. So third time's a charm. We have now actually, after a couple of false starts, begun the list. And, um, and in the spirit of the law of our... Uh, yeah. Both the letter and the spirit. I and guess. the... Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so what's next? I think this is a place you could go in a bunch of different directions. And, and I think this is where we get a little bit into our own... I don't know if it's uh, North American, if it's just the labs that we kind of have worked in, really how broadly um, uh, biased this is. But I think a good place to go from here is to start thinking about how it is you calculate, how you, it is you measure uh, the radioisotopes. And so I think in this case, the uh, paper by Claire Shelsky and others uh, in 1994 in the Journal of Paleolimnology, so the first of our articles from the Paleo Journal, that's on uh, gamma counting. So it's called something like low background gamma counting applications for lead to 10 dating of sediments is a good place to go from here because in my sort of, or I guess in, in the, the circles that we work in, um, a lot of the dating is done via gamma counting. And there's no mention of that in the other one. And, and not only that, it, it was done primarily by alpha counting in the earlier uh, papers. So this is a good place that you can very quickly see uh, described the methodology that's being carried out in a lot of labs. Yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that, at least even within our own circles, um, they're using the same kind of actual gamma counter to the model level that yep. uh, was used in the Pearl Lab. Um, and so I, I have passed this paper along many times in the past in terms of these are the methods that we follow, be familiar with them. Yep, definitely. Uh, and and I'm pretty sure that there is reference in there to uh, radioisotopes beyond lead. So we're not just talking about lead 210 and and or the the uh, isotope that's measured on from uh, an alpha counting perspective like polonium, um, but talking about totally different components that might be of interest to dating. So cesium comes up in the first for the first time in the articles that we're. Uh, talking about or the second one here uh, as as a way of uh, comparing methodology and the fact that gamma counting can give you some of these other radioisotopes like cesium that can be measured 
um, quite easily without doing anything else. It's just also being calculated when you have the collector uh, capable of detecting it. And timing is also probably a factor because uh, even with the 83 paper, you're pre-Chernobyl at that point. So there's like a uh, kind of like a bit of a search going on at the time, like for a... Yes, the nuclear bomb testing peak of cesium would have, would have been uh, like awareness regarding it. But yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, is there going to be a secondary peak now uh, down Definitely. to Chernobyl? Yeah, especially that- for, for authors that like Peter Appleby and Frank Oldfield are English, uh, were English uh, in the case of uh, Frank Oldfield. Um, and so, yeah, that makes sense. There would have been a lot more. And I did a lot of work in Scandinavia and some of the places we've talked about paleo uh, records coming from. So that makes sense that after the Chernobyl uh, disaster, there would have been this uh, recognition of the fallout and, and all the negative things, but also the potential there for other techniques. Okay. So now, so. <clears throat> all right. So I, I, so what's next? Where do we go from there? Okay, so if we're talking about measuring of lead 210 in lake sediments, we have the initial or a very early paper from the group that developed the technique. Then you go into more methodological in terms of the measurements using the equipment. Uh, I would then put forward as our third paper, uh, Binford 1990, um, calculation and uncertainty analysis of lead 210 dates from Perler Project Lake Sediment Cores. This is from the Journal of Paleolimnology. Again, uh, in 1990, so we're actually going back in time a little bit compared yep. to our um, second paper. But uh, I would put this on the list uh, for personal reasons. I remember spending a huge amount of time studying this in detail. Um, it is part of the Perla project, um, which we've referred to before as its importance in terms of the identification of acid rain in North America. And so it was key for having a big multi-core study but the reason that this particular paper would go in is because it lays out the methodology for actually calculating lead to 10 dates. So this is a little bit different right. than measuring the lead to 10 decay profiles. It's then translating that into years and having a very defined sp- spreadsheet methodology to kind of follow the calculations as you go. For sure. Yeah, I think the there is a an equation, uh, even though there are fewer of them in the Appleby and Oldfield paper for time from CRS model. But uh, the Binford one is much more geared towards sediment age and the uh, way in which you go about uh, calculating that, but then also starting to think about the errors associated with that. And uh, one of the things that it's often sort of most commonly cited for, even though there's a lot in that paper, is this idea of the Binford rule or the idea that you can determine when the uh, activity of the unsupported lead to 10 has reached its background level based on uh, the lower samples in the core and and the errors or the the uh, standard deviations around those um and and i think it's, it's maybe a little unjust to to cite it entirely because that's how you determined where background is but it, it did that does show that there's a lot of time spent on the calculation of dates and in order to do that you really need to look uh, quite carefully at the activity of the whole core um and and it's all there to do that yeah 
And because again, you know, as you start looking at these decay curves, it's an exponential decay curve that is noisy. So the identification of where the bottom is and like, all right, now you've actually hit background um, is something that, you know, everyone has to wrestle with at some point is like, where does the noise begin and the signal stop? And depending on how, where you put that line can have an can definitely have an impact on the dates higher up the core. Definitely. And, uh, and as Adam said, we definitely have a, a bit of a soft spot for, for this paper, um, for the, for the longest time, I guess this Fortran code was being used when we were young grad students as a way of actually kind of calculating the dates. Like we were still in this kind of Fortran back calculation in, in, uh, you know, kind of, uh, world. Um, but then we spent a lot of time with it more Adam than me, really converting it into uh, an R kind of version of the exact Fortran, uh, Fortran program that uh, was used previous to that um, as what we used to, we used to call our Google time. Yeah. Well, this is kind of funny because I think, you know, we had discussions and we're going on a bit of an aside here, um, but talking about computational time that it was developed the program was developed in an earlier time where running a program from a DOS prompt was not a big deal for anyone, any grad student yep. that uh, um, was using a computer. But then we were running into a series of like the uh, grad students were aging up to a point that there were people entering the lab now that had never seen a DOS prompt before in their entire lives. And we're like, then it's like here, figure out dating. Oh, and this is the way you do it. This opaque, uh, DOS emulator on Windows, then find this file and run this black box inside this black window and it will spit yeah, out the magic sure. numbers. So, yeah. so hang on, I, I type CD dot dot <laughs> and, and the, the first time you've ever seen a DOS prompt was to calculate lead to 10 dates or to run Tilia or something like that to uh, to create a stratigraphy. So it, it, it uh, came maybe a couple of years too late in some ways um our arrival in the r sphere uh and the need for this and and then it was replaced not too too long later by a, a more robust uh program totally different at least in, in the labs that we'd worked in but uh, it was a really good way to learn the ins and outs of dating uh, and r at the same time and r yeah that's right anyway so there we go binford yeah. 1990 Journal of Paleolimnology, number three. All right. All right. So we're going to back to you for number four. Okay. So also biased, maybe a little bit. Um, we said at the beginning we're wearing uh, our biases on our sleeves. Well, there. that's right. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I want to be open and transparent about them. Uh, a paper also in JOPL, the third and final uh, of our JOPL uh, located papers from 1995 by Jules Blais et al., uh on it's it's hard you know it's, it, when you say that so we talked about this one's on the initial crs model this one's about gamma counting the paper by jules uh in this 95 paper is a little bit different in terms of what it was trying to do and, and really what was the goal of that so you should read the title Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So the title is Evaluation of Lead to 10 Dating in Lake Sediments Using Stable Lead, Ambrosia Pollen, and Cesium 137. 
And it's, so it's by Jules, it's by uh, Kalf, it's by Jack Cornette. Uh, so some really big names, Doug Evans. Um, so some really big names in not not paleo, really. Um, I think it, of all those people, really, Jules is the only one who is really a, a serious, kind of known as a paleolimnologist, although Ecotox is obviously there too. Um, but like radiochemists and limnologists. So it's a really broad... Uh, group of authors. And this is the first of the papers that we've been talking about that really is more of a meta-analysis. It's a very early it, relative to um, so some of the more recent work, meta-analysis of results from dating profiles and then comparing the results based on lead 210 in all of these different kinds of lakes, lakes that are, you know, hard water, soft water, those kind of locations to some of the more air quotes, faithful markers of time, whether that be ambrosia, the ambrosia pollen rise that we've talked about, the ragweed rise, uh, whether it be uh, stable lead isotopes, which, you know, we know about uh, pollution, releasing lead into the environment from gasoline, those kind of things. Uh, and then uh, a dive into cesium. So I think it's a really good paper. It's an, uh, it's definitely uh, uh, maybe a little bit easier of a read than some of the other one. There's not a lot of code information. There are certainly equations, but they're, they're not there for, they're, they're from other locations. So uh, I think it's a good one. I agree. Okay. This is going fast. And, and, I thought it and the, oh, the other thing, uh, about that is that it, it one of the really interesting things uh, that it's often cited for a lot of times is the relationship to cesium uh, and cesium they were kind of using it to compare the the results of lead but also gives a, a window window into cesium mobility in different kinds of sediments hard water soft water lake environments as a way of uh, thinking about cesium and how it may uh, work into your uh, your chronology uh, broadly, how you use that to anchor a chronology or to compare. So that's that's another uh, thing that I think it it maybe gets cited even more for. There we go. Yeah, we are moving quite quickly through this, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you know, people we're not going to read off the abstract. People can go and and do that. I think these are uh, uh, you know it's. A, greatest hits kind of kind of work so yeah these episodes may just be a little shorter and and that's okay too we can do them twice as fast all right <laughs> a little bit more you can listen to two you can listen to two as opposed yeah. to one yeah all right so last all right, one last one so this one so i'm going to say straight off the bat uh that most of the papers that we've listed before or all the papers we've listed so far i have definitely handed to first year master students before um but Looking at the list, really noticed that the uh, Blade Elm 1995 is the most recent one. And so that's closing in on 30 years old now, scarily. Yes. Um, so if I was going to do a list today, um, I would add a much newer one, as in very, very recently just come out. And this would be Bought It All 2022 in Earth Surface Processes and Landforms. I am going to say, or let me finish it all. Uh, so reading the title, uh, a framework for lead to 10 model selection and its application to 37 cores from Eastern Canada to identify the dynamics and drivers of lake sedimentation rates. Um, again, this is all very um, 
central to our own studies in some way, because I know Alex Bond. Um, and I am not involved in this particular paper in any way, shape, or form, but I was involved in the broader project that generated the data, because this came out of the Lake Pulse project we've um, uh, referred to a couple times on the lakes. And uh, basically, this paper looks at 37 cores um, that were collected uh, as part of the Lake Pulse project. So it's not really a meta-analysis. These were all collected as part of the same project. Analyze, you know, so same methodology, same year. There's going to be some variation in terms of the, some of them are going to be later in the summer. It's not like they're all collected on the same day. Um, but from Eastern Canada, so from the first field season of the Lake Pulse Project, and they were all analyzed and um, compared uh, the CRS, CIC, and CFCS led to 10 dating models in all 37 of these lakes. And we've not referred to this at all. We've really focused on the CRS papers in most of the papers up until there. Or I, the Jules one compares um, does, yeah. CRS and CIC. Um, and I, I think we may have talked about this and led to 10 dating. It's kind of beyond the scope of what I was hoping to talk about today in terms of doing a breakdown of the different models, mm -hmm. but just that there are, you have choices when you're calculating led to 10. There are a couple of different models to choose from. And then you have this broad uh, geographic analysis comparing those three models um, in uh, 37 lakes. And I think this is a future classic uh, from its summary diagram, just uh, illustrating lead to 10 graphically as wrapping your head around it. Uh, the table comparing the models, the broad, the sheer number of cores involved, you know, as a launching point on its own, you know, it, it gives a because of the nature of its these analysis, the reference is cited in there, cite most of the list that we've been talking about so far already. And so I would put this on the desk of any new grad student, payload grad student, thinking about doing anything with like 210 dating going forward. I, I couldn't agree uh, more. It's an open access paper. So that makes that, uh, you know, forever. Uh, accessible actually did put this on a reading list for some of our new master students uh had a look at it so mm, some of these aren't that fresh uh gonna put on this new paper and i i agree if you never get to the data like if you only used it for the introduction the figure the comparison uh, table of the different models and the equation the key equations for them you still have a really good up-to-date literature uh, combined with some some really well written summary, so yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I have a hard time saying enough good things about this one. It's like it's a really uh, definitely a, a good one to add in, uh, and then all the data to actually compare these different models and see with the same uh, the same methodology. They're all counted in the same way. Uh, so it's like not a meta-analysis, as Adam said. It's new data, but collected in a consistent manner to allow for this comparison. And, and yeah, just really good stuff. And uh, it will be cited well. Yeah, and because so often, you know, you don't, uh, especially in my experience, depending on how deep a particular student gets into the dating literature, it's like the CRS model, I can wrap my head around that fairly well. I use that on the core. The CIC model dates may not make so much more sense. I don't really understand why. I think particularly with the geographic analysis of this one, it's like you get a good thing of like, yes, the CRS model worked, I think, was the better model based on 
um, modeling, landscape modeling, I guess, um, for about 80% of the course, whereas mm -hmm. the CIC did perform better in like 18% or something of the course like that. And so just on that level as well, like that sort of model comparison and, you know, there is no, this is always the best. There's always going to be some variation in terms of what is the most appropriate. Um, and I think at least to me, articulates why that might be better than most other papers I've read um, on this topic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it is and it is just new, you know, it just reads differently than some old literature. The, they just have a different uh, kind of feel about reading them as with any topic and uh, and it's a very approachable one. So yeah, good, good place to end off our five papers that make up your initial reading list related to lead to 10 dating yeah way to dip your toes into the very very deep waters of uh, the lead to 10 uh, dating literature um, and we cannot emphasize enough how much this is our list you may disagree wh uh, whether these are the five kind of not the five fundamental papers but the best five launching point papers and that's fine but these are the papers that we would or we have and would continue to include in a welcome to the project type of email. Um, yep. And, you know, all I can say is fortunately, the list is only five papers as long as I've only ever read five papers on day. <laughs> well, there you go. And the chapter. I mean, yeah. you know, we, oh. you did you did try and <laughs> so we didn't actually use any chapters <laughs> yeah. in our uh, are there any reviews? No, not really. No. A meta analysis and a review. So we. Uh, we stuck to all primary literature for our first list, um, which is is interesting. And I don't think that was intentional, just as we were, you know, kind of thinking about what those would be. But it is a good mix. I, you get a mix of sort of the foundational, really early works, uh, ones that are kind of historically important, if you can think of it that way. Uh, and, then, and then there are a couple of options that are a little more evaluative, uh, comparison meta or large kind of data analyses. Um, so not a bad place to start. And again, um, well, this is kind of, a, I think, a good way to start this kind of like reading list arc. And I think, again, referring to our biases, uh, uh, very notably, uh, this is a lead to 10 dating paper, and um, we don't talk at all about led to 10 dating at the top of a Holocene core or anything like that. Because very true. That's a very good point. You could go much further in that regard. And so um, I guess we kind of have to throw one additional sure. one onto the list just to show that we are aware of Holocene <laughs> cores. <laughs> or, or earlier. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, we're talking about here. I mean, I'm sure there are some amazing papers on optically stimulated luminescence dating uh, for very old sediments. Um, I don't know that literature. It's not something we work with, so you wouldn't expect to find it on this podcast. If if you're you know just joining us for the first time, uh, maybe that would surprise me. But if you followed along for a few episodes, you know where our uh, our knowledge lies. So yeah, um, it is biased, but there, but. I think we could we could probably stretch since we didn't use our review. Why don't we say we have a little uh, yeah. little fun and add in an honorable mention? So I, I would throw in here. Um, I'm, I'm going to destroy the pronunciation, but Blau uh, and Kristen 2011 
flexible paleoclimate age depth models using an autoregressive gamma process from Bayesian analysis. Um, and this is where have you read this paper? <laughs> I have read it. <laughs> I, I have looked at the words on these pages. Yes, I have. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have translated them in my brain into the sounds that those words represent. But my That's deeper right. understanding yeah. of um, how, because this is the paper that introduced uh, Bacon in many ways, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And um, so, yes, if you're, you're interested in Lead 210 is more on a, um, you know, millennial scale um, of like getting good dates at the very top of a chord, this would be where you would start. But I have not sent many welcome to the project emails for those kind of projects, but this would go in. Yeah, you you can drive someone away by sending them a paper in Bayesian analysis as the welcome to the project uh, folder. You save that for the second, probably a, an in-person meeting when they can't run. Yeah. Um, but but it is an important one. M many people may not be familiar with the paper, um, but the names of the authors for sure. And the the I guess it's now translated into a package. I don't think it was a, an R package. I don't think it was initially... Uh, only done in R. I think it was uh, external to that uh, on its own, um, but now implemented, I would imagine, almost exclusively in R. Um, and, and a really common method of uh, combining dates, working with uh, the error associated with dates in multiple directions, really kind of complicated mathematics, as you would imagine, something that's very Bayesian-based. Uh, but, but a, a really important one because that is, especially for people who work very heavily in the older sediment environment, that is what is being done. Um, if you only have one lead or one radiocarbon date deep down in the core, you don't really need to get into some of these methods. Yeah. Um, but, but where you're really working there, uh, a really important way of getting really robust chronologies for long records. Yeah. So, and for anyone that's not familiar, we've gone off on a tangent here. This is. Uh, for analyses where you would have like led to 10 dates, for example, at the top of your core, but then you have a core long enough that you're going below the background level for led to 10. So you'd have to introduce a couple of carbon 14 dates, for example, and combine them all into a single dating model. Yep. That takes into account the, the fact that you have error associated with the age, especially when you get into radiocarbon, those can be relatively big errors sometimes. But then also you have error sort of associated with the model uh, in sort of the what I think of as the Y direction, so up and down core direction. So you get these uh, kind of probability uh, likelihoods of where those dates come and, and trying to fit a nice uh, curve through all of that. So a lot of really interesting math. For those who want to go deeper into the topic of dating, this is a good place to, to really learn some new stuff. Absolutely. And as we were going through all this, it really struck me that uh, in many ways, this sort of list uh, really needs to be posted on the website pretty soon. I'm so far behind on rounding out the blog uh, post aspects um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but uh, I think we will have to. I don't know if it will fit in the show notes as like a quick list of like the author's journal and year to make it more useful for mm -hmm. um, a quick reference. But then, yeah, I think eventually, or not even eventually, this will become priority one in terms of the website to do a bit of a synopsis of 
paper one, two, three, four, five. This is why it's on the list. Yep. That sounds like a good plan. Um, yeah, because you may want to search them out and, uh, you know, we list off the authors and the year and read through the titles, but that may not be as easy to follow. Yeah. This is an audio <laughs> format. You can go and find them there and at least here will be the link yeah, to click a through. link to the you DOI. May have, need to log. Yeah, exactly. You may need to uh, log into your subscription for some of them, the, the not for the papers, newest, for not, some, not for the uh, about it yeah, and I don't know about the others. I never really uh, thought to look. Uh, I think at least one or two of them are uh, open, probably just based on their age. Uh, but but you should be able to work through finding those uh, because they are in pretty, you know, JOPL is, is obviously um, three of them. So if you have access to that, You're golden. good place to start. And there are lots of others that are linked to these. You know, you go to the cross-ref of these papers and see how many times they've been cited you find some really interesting titles on their own ones that easily could have been put into the list um even if they didn't make our cut on a different day we could have easily done that done that as well and included those so uh, a lot of places to grow that list from here so all right so i think uh, as a successful first list five plus three i guess would be what the official tally would be um and i'll have to figure out what we're going to do next yeah, I don't know. Uh, me neither. If you have any suggestions, yeah. let us know. Yeah. If there's any topics you'd like to see uh, as potential lists that, that would be uh, useful to you as you're learning, preparing, whatever it is, just you want to hear our opinion and see how it may differ from your own, uh, let us know and we can definitely put one of those together. Because I think these are fun and, and you know, we are moving through it a little bit quicker than some of our episodes, which is nice too. Yeah. So, Yeah. Once again, thanks for listening to Core Ideas, the paleolimnology podcast. If you have a question or a comment or a list suggestion, um, just send us a note. And our email address is, is coreideaspodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, the handle is at coreideaspaleo. We read everything that you send us eventually and, uh, and try and reply to them. Yeah. And an archive of our past episodes and show notes is maintained on our website at coreideas.ajesiorski.ca. Uh, that link is listed or uh, given on our Twitter bio. And if you're so inclined, you can give us a rating, subscribe, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Though, to be honest, we don't care all that much because we're just doing this for fun and we don't get that many anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for today but we'll be back soon to provide another reading list for budding paleo uh sticking to our ethos of pure knowledge without the economy <laughs>